0: The guardian
1: before covid dementia was the biggest killer in the united kingdom and alzheimer's disease is the most common type affecting between 50 and 75 percent of those diagnosed headlines have brought hope to people with the announcement that the fda has approved a new drug for the first time in 20 years this is a pivotal moment for the alzheimer's research community this will give hope to the people that haven't had any hope for a very long time, those patients and participants in my trials who are desperate to find something that helps. But it hasn't come without controversy. There's still a lot we don't know about the disease, like what causes it, how to prevent it, and is this treatment really effective? I'm Shivani Darve, and this is Science Weekly from The Guardian. Our health editor, Sarah Bosley, is here to tell me what we do know about Alzheimer's disease. Well,
0: Alzheimer's is the commonest form of
1: dementia, so
0: you have to look at dementia perhaps in in the round. you know this is a huge area it's a neurological disease we don't know enough about it in fact it's degenerative disease so what we do know is really the effects that it has on people rather than actually what's going on in their brain and it can be quite difficult to spot because obviously as people get older they start to lose their memory and not be quite so good at reasoning and and that's exactly what you see in dementia too but it but it's more acute and and it gets much much worse
1: so what is it about alzheimer's that means it's described in that way what what categorizes somebody as having Alzheimer's
0: it's really something that has to be judged by specialist psychologists or nurses or doctors and actually it's even quite difficult to get a diagnosis sometimes because as I say people will go along with memory loss and um, then it's a question of you know is this actually the normal uh, decline that people get in old age or is it actually something worse than that The standard procedure is to give people memory tests. So that will be a list of questions, uh, including, for instance, what's today's date? Who's the monarch at the moment? Who's the prime minister? Little number puzzles, you know, count backwards from 17, that sort of thing. And depending on how well people do with that, they will be scored. They can also have MRI scans, which will show something of what's happening in the brain. The problem with that is that it can be caused by other diseases also. And there's a form of dementia, for instance, vascular dementia, which is where you get little blood clots in the brain. And that looks not unlike stroke. So the difficulty is to differentiate other diseases from dementia itself. But really, the only final diagnosis with dementia, or certainly with Alzheimer's, is an autopsy when people are dead. And that's when you can actually analyse the brain and see what has really gone on.
1: It sounds like there are lots of things Alzheimer's and dementia could look like, and there's no way of really knowing that until you have an autopsy at the end. It also sounds like it could manifest in ways that other diseases and conditions manifest as. But the impact of Alzheimer's on not just the individual experiencing it, but the people around them, seems to be really quite severe.
0: Yes, there does come a point when you can be pretty sure it's dementia. Certainly, the family and the friends will understand that that's what it is, because people lose all sorts of things. They they lose their memory, even of what's happened that morning. Certainly, of yesterday, somebody came to visit yesterday, and and they have no recollection of it. They might uh, be disorientated. They won't know where they are. They can't find their way to the uh, to down the road to the shop. All sorts of things that that are really, you know, very serious happen. And one of the most awful things is that this has a huge impact on the family. So you'll find um, that mothers don't recognise their children's faces any longer, certainly can't remember their names. And that is incredibly distressing. The other very serious problem is that people are no longer able to cope in their own home. So it does mean that they're going to need care, probably, 24-hour care, in fact, because a lot of people wander in the night and they'll actually go out their front door and disappear. Or else it means going to a care home, sometimes a specialised one.
1: So it sounds like at the moment, there isn't a whole lot we can do or we know about this disease to be able to find an effective treatment or cure.
0: Yes, we have one or two drugs, but Certainly, they don't do very much. They're definitely not a cure. There hasn't been a new drug, actually, for about 20 years. And the drugs that we have at the moment for dementia and for Alzheimer's really are not very effective. And a lot of the drugs that have been tried may alleviate the symptoms temporarily, but they certainly have no long-term effect. So there's been no success at all yet in actually turning Alzheimer's off or turning back the clock, in fact, to improve people's condition.
1: I suppose that's why there's been so much buzz around this new drug that was initially rejected by the FDA and has now been approved. What is it and how does it work? This drug is
0: called aducanumab, which is a bit of a mouthful. It's a drug that actually targets the buildup of protein in the brain This is called plaque. There's something else called tau, tau tangles. But this one particularly goes for the buildup of plaque in the brain. And these are protein accumulations that are seen on MRI scans in the brains of people with Alzheimer's disease. But we don't honestly know how big a part they play in the disease. It it is assumed because that is not something that's in healthy brains, that probably that is... um, a big part of it. So that's why a lot of the drug developers have targeted these plaques. This drug aims to clear the plaques. Um, When it was in trials, it actually failed to do that in most people. They they were running two trials, I think, uh, and this was back in 2019. Biogen, the manufacturer, actually stopped the trials, saying that they had failed to produce any improvements in, in these people. And then later on, they reanalyzed the data they had, and they added to it, because by that time, they had some other people who's, uh, who had been on the trial for long enough on these drugs to include their results as well. So with the added data, they found that there was actually a positive effect in some people. But these were people in the very early stages of disease. So, Biogen decided to go ahead with an application for a license in people with very early disease on the basis of those trials. That was pretty controversial because they haven't produced any new data. It's the old data, but a reanalysis. At the end of last year, the Food and Drug Administration looked at the dossier and actually turned it down for a license. And now it's had a rethink. um, And obviously, more information will have been forthcoming from the company, I'm quite sure. And on the basis of that, they've approved it, but it's still not a full approval. Those people who have prescribed the drug will actually enter what they call a a phase four trial, which means that their progress is monitored. So you get some data on how it works in the real world. And if it does well, then it will probably get a full approval in due course.
1: So at the moment, this drug is available for early stage People with Alzheimer's in the US to take part of this stage four trial. But did we not just cover how it's actually quite tricky to determine whether or not somebody actually has Alzheimer's that early on?
0: Yes. Anybody who is prescribed this drug will have to undergo a PET scan first. So that's a brain scan that should show up any plaque developing. That means that they will have to come forward and actually volunteer to have a brain scan and possible Alzheimer's diagnosis at a time when they've in fact probably got simply early changes. And that's quite traumatic, actually. So we'll, we'll see how many people actually want to do that. Because Alzheimer's is a terrible diagnosis, because in fact, we have no cure.
1: The headline, it sounds great, you know, new drug uh, in almost 20 years that can help with Alzheimer's disease. It sounds like A really positive bit of news. But what's the response been like from researchers and scientists, but also from charities and the people who work with the disease in a more public facing kind of way?
0: I think this has caused quite a lot of division, and people really feel pulled in both directions because the Alzheimer's charities and patients and any other organisations that support people with dementia are all so keen to have something to help with this disease. Uh, and you could say that this is an advance because at least it's a new drug and um, it is does work in a different way. So ideally, you know, it will actually target the root cause. If the plaque is the root cause, it will get rid of some of that plaque. So that on the one hand is very positive. On the other hand, you get a lot of people saying, actually, this isn't going to work and it's a not a good thing to give people false hope. There are scientists who say, will actually set the research back because you're establishing a low bar. This drug has managed to be approved after really not enough data, in their opinion. And there's, for instance, uh, Robert Howard, who's a professor of old age psychiatry at University College London in the UK, was um, really quite um, opposed to it. I was surprised at what he said. He's a dementia clinician and a researcher, and he's had personal family experience. So he really does want to see effective treatments for this. But he said he considered the approval was a grave error that will only have negative impact on patients and their families, and that could derail the ongoing search for meaningful dementia treatments for a decade.
1: That is a really strong statement to make. But why has he jumped to that conclusion? Why has he reached that sort of mindset?
0: Well, he says there's just not enough data to approve it. What we have uh, a couple of clinical trials, as we said, the reanalysis that they've done is just of those people who were in the early stage. So that's leaving out of account all the other people in the trials who obviously had later stage dementia. Um, And and when you see something happening early on, the other thing you don't know is how long that the impact is going to last if there is a good impact.
1: That's quite tough. People always say the best cure is always prevention. So do we know anything about how to prevent somebody from developing Alzheimer's or dementia? Well,
0: it's pretty shocking, actually, for something that is so distressing and affects so many people and makes their final years a misery for them and for all their family that we don't know enough about the reasons why people get it or how to prevent it. But we do have some clues. There probably are some genes involved, but the hunt for those hasn't uh, gone particularly well. But more to the point, there are some lifestyle things that we think actually do affect people's chances. So what we do know is that if you live a healthy, active lifestyle, you are less likely to get dementia as, as you get older. And that means keeping a healthy weight, doing physical exercise, eating well, and also keeping your mind active. So people who play musical instruments, for instance, or read a lot and talk a lot and think a lot, they all seem to have slightly better chances than other people. It's really difficult, but I I suppose mind and body really are very similar. So if you keep your body healthy, that also helps your mind and probably vice versa.
1: Thank you so much for joining us, Sarah. We'll include a link to Sarah's article on Aducanumab in the podcast webpage. If you have any programme ideas, thoughts or feedback, please get in touch at scienceweekly at theguardian.com. We also wanted to let you know about a very special audio-visual project The Guardian was involved with recently. It's called Auditorial and it's an innovative experiment from The Guardian, Google and RNIB. It was created to showcase the possibilities of accessible stories for blind and low-vision audiences. On the platform, an audio-led piece called "The Silent Spring" explores the devastating effects of the climate crisis on the sounds of the natural world. The story centres around Bernie Krause, who was originally featured in our own Science Weekly and Today in Focus podcasts in 2018. To have a look or listen, head over to g.co/auditorial. We'll also include a link on the podcast's webpage. And Science Weekly will be back on Thursday, so see you then.
0: podcasts from The Guardian. Just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.